heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for another day just to be alive, to be able to breathe, to be able to see, to be able to be here and, and listen to your word and understand your plan through your Holy Spirit. We're grateful for the opportunity to bring you glory in this life before we are with you face to face forever. We thank you, Father, most of all, for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into this world so that he could be the sacrifice to save all mankind, all those who would repent and trust in him to receive the gift of eternal life. Help us never take these things for granted, Father, and help it be our very motivation for living each and every day for your purposes. We ask that you bless this message, have your spirit guide us and teach us. It's in Christ's precious name we pray, by the power of your spirit. Amen. What is good and who gets to define it? Part 17. This is most likely our last part here. I'm just going to review uh, some of what came out on Sunday, which is really a nice capstone, how the spirits just finished it off. Probably different than uh, most of us thought where it was going. But first of all, God's supernatural calling on our lives as his children is to love as he loved us. And we should make no mistake, that is a supernatural calling, to love as he loved us. This is not something we can force or will to happen. This is not something we can um, act, um, you know, be religious about. It, we, we need power. We need God's power to be able to love like he loved. Only relying on the power of God, only by doing that can we love like Jesus Christ. How are we able to do this? One example is in our main passage from Sunday, and we can put ourselves right in this passage because he loved each one of us with this kind of love. And that's, our, again, our source of strength and motivation. Turn again to Luke 6.35. And we're going to read verses 35 through 38, which was our main passage on Sunday. And again, keep yourself right in the middle of this passage because we were all enemies of God. He loved each one of us with this kind of love. Luke 6.35 But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. And in context, we're talking about love and loving your enemies. That's the context of this whole passage, which 
It's funny, you know how our minds work, right? We see verse 38, given it will be given to you. We immediately think of money and possessions. We immediately think of something we can tangible that we can give. When contextually we're talking about love, giving and receiving love. For example, we see in verse 35, giving love to enemies and doing good. We see in verse 36, giving mercy. And in verse 37, we see giving pardons. These are all forms or ways that we can love others and ways that God loved us. So on the board, give and it will be given to you. This is the ultimate paradigm shift. While utterly incomprehensible to worldly wisdom, it is the very foundation of true Christianity. What we keep, we lose. What we give, we have. For example, when we hold back giving pardons, we lose out on being pardoned. Who knows how, in how many ways or by how many people we miss out on. When we hold back giving mercy, we will not receive mercy. The Bible says that in several passages. But if you want your own cup to overflow with mercy and pardons, who doesn't, right? If you want that in your life, as in verse 38, the overflowing of verse 38, you will freely give them to others. It's quite ironic, isn't it? I mean, you want to be blessed. So if you do these things, you'll be blessed. See, it takes effort to do these things. It takes uh, sacrifice to do these things sometimes. Yet, the reward that you reap is totally undeserved. You shouldn't get anything as a dutiful slave of God, of the Lord, just doing what you ought to do. You shouldn't get anything in return. It's what you ought to do. But our God, he blesses us out, us out on the other side, even though we're just unworthy slaves. So we're talking about giving God's love itself. And as we saw on Sunday, context is very important in this passage. Jesus is using the analogy of sowing and reaping, something the uh, agricultural economy of 2,000 years ago really, really understood well. And we saw on Sunday this picture on the board, just to give you a good visual. And you see like the kind of like the apron type thing, you know, over his shoulder there filled with seed. That he can just keep going in and keep throwing it out. Keep going in, keep throwing it out. The principle of reaping what you sow is being taught in Luke 6.38. But love is in view. And as I was studying this, I'm thinking, who would have thought that you can reap and sow love or sow and reap love? That's not a human thought. You wouldn't think, you know, that's how it works. Especially with our, our flesh, our selfish love that we, we have when we stay in the flesh. But only God could put it that way, put it this way, sowing and reaping love, the God of love himself. God's telling us how love works and how to receive love as well. And there is certainly an activity in view. Just look at the picture on the board again. There's a very persistent activity in view. We know how much God loves persistence in his children. Look at the picture of the farmer 
And imagine the farmer doing that every single day. Forget the long hours as well, but every single day. Doing something for the benefit of the seed, if not the very thing on the board. That's persistence. There's a persistent activity of sowing and reaping, and it's related to love. And I've been, you know, saying this probably for a few years, like as I get the chance to be up here and teach, God is taking us to love. Whatever that means to you, that's what I see. Like he's taking us to love in the last few years, especially. He's like almost bringing it all in and simplifying it. But also it's the grandest of things. The greatest of these is love. He's taken us there more and more from all these different angles it's very exciting because it simplifies everything and that's where our true joy lies, the joy he wants us to possess each and every day. So the message we received from this is that we should have a lifestyle of giving. To be a successful sower of seed, you must be willing to give. You must be willing to throw the seed out there out of your hands, letting it go, and trusting God for the return. Our flesh doesn't like that because we want to stay in control. We want to keep as much seed, let's go back one, we want to keep as much seed in the bag just in case we need it later. But God says, I'll fill it. I'll put more fish in the basket to feed 5,000. Just give it out without hesitation. So again, to be a successful sower of seed, you must be willing to give. You must be willing to throw the seed out there, out of your hands, letting it go, and trusting God for the return. And it's the same with love, is the point. It's the same with love. And we're talking about sacrificial giving here. That's God's love. It's sacrificial. And we don't know how it might be returned. But what we do know is that it will be returned. Somehow. Some way. We don't know where it's going to come from, who it's going to come from. It may not even come from a person. It might just come from God alone. Through the Spirit. It might also be a great surprise. A a different thing you never expected from somebody in your life. I'm sure you've all had that happen at times where the person who you least expected to come through for you came through in spades and just, you know, their love uh, blew you away. But giving love puts your heart on the line quite often. And see, that's what we're scared of in the flesh. That's what we're scared of. We don't want to empty the the bag of seed totally. We want to hold on to something. We don't want to get hurt. But Jesus put his heart on the line. For all of us. His heart got stomped on by many men and women. But he didn't care about himself. He cared more about those needing his loving. That's the only way this happens. And that's why God is the one who has to change our hearts. Jesus cared more about those who needed his loving. So... He put himself in the, you know, in the back, his own concerns in the rearview mirror. 
He didn't care what happened to him. He's like, I'm going to do whatever it takes because these people are in great need. So Jesus is teaching us and telling us to love like he did with a lifestyle of sacrificial loving. And the return will be like the apostles' fishing nets one day. You remember when Jesus came to the apostles after the resurrection? And he said, throw the net on the other side of the boat. And the nets were so full, the ship started sinking. That's what God wants for each one of us in our souls. That's the kind of uh, joy he desires us to realize from his love, from his peace. From He wants it to overflow so much that we can't contain it. But, see, this is a two-way street. It takes our willingness to obey his commands, to love like he loved. It takes our willingness to empty the bag, so to speak, and let the chips fall where they may and trust God to fill your void, to fill your desires. But that's the visual in uh, Luke 6.38, isn't it? The overflowing of God giving back to you, the one who gives. Remember also, as we were graciously reminded on Sunday, we are slaves to our master, and our master has called us to love like he did. And if we've learned anything, it's that love reaches out. It doesn't just sit there. I think... um, I'll speak for myself, but I, I misappropriated, I misunderstood God's love in the past. Um, God's love reaches out. Like, God's love is not dormant or still. It's very active. It's persistently active. Look how love reaches out in our main passage in Luke 6 that we just read. There's an active, generous sacrificial doing for others involved. Look at the passage. We're going to read it one more time now anyway. In verses 35 through 38 alone, there is a active, generous, sacrificial doing for others. What do you see? What what does love look like? On the board, love gives. What we see is that God's love doesn't just gracefully accept mistreatment, but it gives on top of that. And God promises it will eventually return to you too, which you don't deserve. But that's God. God's love doesn't just gracefully accept mistreatment. He gives on top of that, even to enemies. So it truly is supernatural. Look again at Luke 6, 35, and let's see if you see this principle in the passage as we read. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. 
for by your standard of measure it will be measured to you in return. How you love is how you will receive love. How you pardon is how you will receive pardon. There's no way around God's law of reaping and sowing. It is generous to the kind-hearted and it is stingy to the stingy heart. Period. That's how God designed life. And he's trying to set us free. He's like, stop holding on to things to, to grasp a little bit of love or not lose your love and not be hurt by other people. Let it flow like my son let it flow and enjoy the true riches of life that I want you to have. To be receiving love and mercy and pardons in your life all over the place. That's what God wants us to experience. And that's true peace and joy and blessing from God. That's true blessing from God. To live a life where you have people around you that forgive you immediately, all the time, how wonderful is that? We have that in our own beautiful church family here. But do we take that for granted? Isn't that one of the best blessings in life, that people that overlook your trespasses, that forgive you, that love you unconditionally, that pardon you, that show you mercy when you're at your weakest. These are the best things in life. And they're the worst things in life when you don't have them. So God says, give, and you'll receive it. Give to others you don't really want to give to or you haven't even thought of giving to. Just go show them some love. When's the last time you baked a brownie and brought it to your neighbor? They used to do that in the old days all the time. And you know what it showed? Love. The simplest things are the, are the best. Personally baked, it costs $2, right? It has nothing to do with the money. Personally baked, it's warm. You bring it to the door. Your neighbor's like, oh, wow, awesome. And you have an awesome cup of coffee with them for, that you never would have had. And you discover and learn something about them because you open them up with love. And they open themselves up probably in, the, in that coffee conversation. And now you've got a, like a true neighbor. You have a new friendship. These are the simple things that we're missing out on today in our generation. We're so busy and occupied with things and technology. But give and you'll receive. I don't know how, but what manifestation that love shows up in. Could be warm brownies. You can come right to my house. No problem. I got coffee. But give however you're led to give. Look for reasons. Look for ways. Look for opportunities to give. Instead of, again, hoarding all the seed. And remember, too, again, this is just what we're supposed to be doing. This isn't like some call to great godliness that, you know, only a few can go there. No, it's just obey. Obey the Lord's wishes in humility. And ironically, by doing what we're supposed to be doing, God's going to bless us out bountifully in an overflowing way. But we saw this on Sunday also regarding the dutiful slave. We are not to pat ourselves on the back for doing what we are supposed to be doing. Turn again to Luke 17, verse 7. So, you know, don't get a big head because you give love to somebody that you 
never loved before, whatever. You baked brownies and brought it next door. Oh, you're so good. That's so sacrificial. Don't pat yourself on the back for things we should be doing. Luke 17, 7. Which of you, having a slave plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come immediately and sit down to eat? But will he not say to him, Prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you may eat and drink? So there's just a little reminder that we should always remember our proper place with God. May we never get arrogant toward God. I mean, he's clearly the master. We are clearly the slave. There's no greater example of that in life. So keep the proper perspective. In verse 9, he does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. So there we see the proper attitude that we should all have. Now, if God wants to bless us out, wonderful. But we should not have expectations. We shouldn't have the wrong attitude towards God. We should be like, how can I boast about any of this? The only reason I'm able to love somebody else that's unlovely is because God loved me first. And God forbid that any of us act like the wicked slave in Matthew chapter 18, which we're not going to read tonight, but you can go read it yourself if you want. God forbid we're like that wicked slave who was forgiven much by his master, but then wouldn't forgive his brother a much smaller debt. This is what we ought to do if we simply realize how much our God has forgiven and loved us. The Spirit's point is simple. We're slaves to our master, and our master, who purchased our freedom with his own blood, has called us to love like he did. Quite a fair trade. On the board, again, give and it will be given to you. And think of love. This is the ultimate paradigm shift. While utterly incomprehensible to worldly wisdom, it is the very foundation of true Christianity. What we keep, we lose. What we give, we have. I know this doesn't make sense to us humanly speaking, but it's true. God's Word says it, and God also proved it to us in the life of His Son. Jesus' life was like this. He experienced the greatest love and joy by giving it up for others, even for His enemies. We are called to follow his example. And to try and hold on to it instead is to lose it. We've got to get that through our thick skulls, our thick flesh. To try and hold on to it is to lose it. It's not the way you think it is or you feel it should be or whatever. So by faith, this is the only way to do this, by faith, trust this is the way life works including regarding love. Pastor used the analogy on Sunday to leave love on the vine and not pick or share the fruit is to watch it die on the vine. And what a shame that is to not 
pick that fruit and eat it and share, share its sweetness with others. To not share, in other words, the sweetness of God's love and forgiveness with others. That's like a spiritual tragedy. To hold back God's love and forgiveness that he gave you, that's horrible. So don't let your flesh get in the way there. And if it has been getting in the way, repent. And by faith, give freely, including loving other people. And on the board, we must give love in order that we might have it fully. And remember, to give love in God's terms means living sacrificially towards others in your life for their benefit, truly for their benefit, not for your own, not out of the side deal you might get in return. Remember the parable about inviting people to a party? Don't invite those that can pay you back. Invite those that can't pay you back. That's God's love. That's sacrificial for others' benefit, truly. Even for your enemies, when given the opportunity. So keep our main visual in mind. A farmer who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And turn again in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. We saw this on Sunday. A farmer who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And you are a spiritual farmer sowing the seeds of love. This is a great passage. And keep love in context. Verse 6, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, He scattered abroad, He gave to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. I challenge you to go home and read that passage five times in a row and see what the Spirit reveals to you personally. As Pastor said on Sunday, this passage is impregnated with supernatural realities. And the Spirit wants you to, to see these things in your own soul. And He'll open these things up to you if you're persistent if you're a persistent sower of his love, which includes being in his word. He teaches us how life itself works. According to the giver of life, you know, the one who knows how life really works. As you read this passage, don't think about giving material things either. Think about giving love, spreading love, sowing love. And think about God giving more faith and hope and love to those who ask Him. 
So there's your challenge. On the board regarding loving, the greatest seed we can ever sow is the gospel itself. This seed is the very expression of God's love. And therefore, when sown righteously, an expression of our own love. John 3.16, we know. Ephesians 5, 25-27. 1 John 4.19. I mean, the gospel is the message of God's love for man. And when we pass it on righteously and in peace, we're expressing God's love. We're partaking in God's love. We're sowing the seed, the best seed that could be sown. So let it out. Freely and lovingly share the gospel. We have to ask ourselves, why do we, um, why do we get timid about sharing the gospel? I do it too as an evangelist. Some gift, huh? Just kidding, it's obviously me. But um, I do it too at times. And I'm like, why am I like apprehensive about this? Because if someone's going someone's gonna to think I'm a you know, Bible thumper or because I have, I'm fearing rejection. I have the very, the very good news. We all have the very good news on the tip of our tongues to eternal life and the love of God. And why we don't freely and lovingly share it is amazing. I'm not talking about forcing it on people. I'm talking about freely sharing it. Like it's part of our normal conversation. It's part of who we are. Maybe we just, you know, God's working on us. And we all need to pray about that. But we need to stop holding back. And also to stop claiming to love people from afar. Jesus Christ did not love from afar. In fact, he did the exact opposite. Becoming a man and becoming intimate with our weaknesses and then doing whatever was necessary to save people from themselves and save people from their sin. He did whatever was necessary, didn't he? He went to extreme lengths. He was constantly harassed by crowds. And he chose to keep doing it over and over. And he chose not to leave them. He was hands-on, literally, with masses of sinful people surrounding him, many of whom would not return his love. He still gave. His love was hands-on. It wasn't loving people from afar. So we have to ask ourselves, looking at Jesus' life, are we willing to do whatever is necessary out of love to help save others from themselves? They don't realize they need to be saved from themselves, which is what makes it difficult sometimes, right? The kickback you get. But that's the reality of the situation. Are you willing to do whatever is necessary out of Christ's own love? To wake people up, even though it's a sacrifice to yourself. That's God's love. That's what it looks like. We were shown it by the God-man, by special revelation. Turn again to Ephesians 5.25. 
It's something to just think about between you and the Lord. You know, are you willing to be embarrassed? That came up last week, right? Be humiliated, maybe, for sharing the gospel uh, or for loving your enemies, even when they want to persecute you or are persecuting you. Are you willing to do whatever is necessary to help save others from themselves? Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's Christ's love. Gave himself up for her. It's sacrificial, not self-serving. And if you and I do this, we will reap the rewards for loving God's way. And we will possess his love. It'll come back to us in a supernatural way that will comprehend new things, a new reality. We'll possess it more and more and more. The more we give sacrificially, the more we love sacrificially like this. Again, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her. Notice, this is for her benefit, not for his benefit. He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. That's love. So relate this to sharing the gospel. Jesus shared his gospel with us to sanctify us so that we can not only be sanctified, but then share that opportunity with other people to be sanctified. We can partake in this. That's what he's saying. Love like I loved. Get, throw it out freely. And let the chips fall where they may. It will be sacrificial, but it's also going to come back to you. I'll reward you. I'll take care of you, says the Lord. Again, on the board, the greatest seed we can ever sow is the gospel. This seed is the very expression of God's love, and therefore, when sown righteously, an expression of our own love. And again, if you want to possess love, then express it. Express it. Freely and to anybody that God puts in your path. There's no partiality with God. Remember he was kind to evil and ungrateful men? So share it. Give it. Throw the water out there. And we're empowered to do so by the Spirit himself when we consistently dwell upon the love that we have received from him. That's the key. We lose sight when we stop dwelling on the love that he first loved us with. Again, on the board, it's so simple but so profound and so powerful. We love because he first loved us. And when we forget that, that's our problem. The F word, right? We must lose love, willingly throw it out there, so that we might personally find or discover love. Again, it's not how we think, but it works. Jesus showed us. 
We must give love in order that we might have it fully. Sunday's lesson, uh, during the lesson, I was reminded of our Lord's words about receiving true life, what he said about receiving true life. And he said this many times in the four Gospels. So let's look at two of these examples and keep love in view as we do so. Uh, turn to Mark eight thirty four. Mark eight thirty four. How do we receive true life? Well, you got to give it up first. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And that includes love, folks. It's like life itself in God's eyes. God is love. Go to John 12, 24. John 12, 24. Again, the point on the board, we must give love in order that we might have it fully. And this means sacrifice, even dying in certain ways. Maybe not us on a cross literally for other people, but you might have to die. Parts of your life you might have to let die to receive back a new life in that area, including love. John 12, 24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... So there's a picture of giving up its own life. Love gives. If it dies, it bears much fruit. There's the incredible reaping of the sacrificial love of God. Resurrection, life. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. So stop loving your life. Stop loving your life, the things that you think your life should be like even. Stop it. Drop it. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow him. And then you'll find true life. God's life. God's love. Totally different and totally better, but that takes faith. And true living takes dying. It takes dying to self. We don't want to hear this. Our flesh is like, no, don't let go. True living takes dying to self. Believe it. What else are you living for, by the way? How's that working out? How's your own plan working out? Right? It's another great irony in the spiritual life. On the board, love gives. The love that Christ revealed to his sheep through his life, ministry, and cross was sacrificial. 
He gave his perfect understanding, his forgiveness, his mercy, and his love to unworthy creatures. There's a perspective. There's a picture of true love. Sacrificial loving. Through sacrificial loving, the Lord found us and saved us, the lost. He saved us and delivered us into eternal life with him forever. Why? How? Because of true sacrificial loving. Because of being willing to die for the benefit of others. And now eternal lives are changed. And we can have a peace in that. It's ridiculous that we can have a peace in that. But we can, have a, we can partake in that. We can participate in that. There we see the reaping from freely and sacrificially giving love. Some of us need to step out of the box a little bit. I could never do that, you know, or I never thought of doing that. Maybe you need to pray and ask God, what do you want me to do? When's the last time you honestly prayed that? What do you want me to do? I'm not going to go to you and tell you my plans about what I think I'm going to do for you and what I'm comfortable doing for you so I can stay in this box. I don't have to throw the seed out and let it go. When's the last time you asked God, what do you want me to do? And let him answer you in silence. And the great irony is this is all for our own benefit, for our own blessing. On the board, love gives. Maybe, just maybe, if we love this way, we will find some more brothers and sisters for the kingdom of God. And they will forever be the testimony of our loving like Jesus did. Can you imagine getting to heaven and just having one person come up to you and say, because of your sacrifice or because you love me and no one else loved me at that time or because you gave me the gospel, even though I didn't want to hear it, God used that. And here I am, heavenly high five. Can you imagine what that's going to be like in heaven? Can you imagine what Bill's going through right now and how many people he might be experiencing, experiencing this with right now? It's crazy. And there, there's true joy, true love. To save someone's life eternally? To participate in that thing? Whew. But that's our opportunity. And those people will forever be our testimony or the testimony of our loving like Jesus did. Even if it was for a short time, even if it was only once in a while, you know, we humbled ourselves and we obeyed his desire for us. We obeyed his commands. We freely loved others, sacrificially. So we had the grand yet simple conclusion on Sunday. What is good, we ask? Love is. All comes back to love. The Spirit's been bringing this up over and over and over. 1 John 4, 7 through 5, 4, we read a couple times. Love is what's good. Love fulfills the whole law. In other words, without even trying to fulfill the law, you fulfill the law because you love. That's good stuff. You don't have to strive. You just obey. 
So here's a capstone verse from that passage. 1 John 4, 16 on the board, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. That's good right there. That is supremely, divinely good. But that's not the end of it. In fact, we might say it's only the beginning because God's love is literally infinite. When are you going to be filled with God's love where you can't be filled anymore? For all eternity, that increases because God's infinite and God's love. So have the right perspective going forward. God's setting us free. He's bringing us to love through the gospel and through special revelation like the life of Jesus Christ. When you encounter something truly good, you're meant to enjoy it and live in it as a blessing from God. That came out on Sunday also. When you discover something truly good, God's good, you're designed or God wants you to live in it and enjoy it and receive it every day as a blessing, as your favorite ice cream, so to speak. Like, dive in every day. Like, when, when you get a glimpse of God's love a little bit more than yesterday, shouldn't you look forward to the next day? Shouldn't you say, wait a minute, this is exponential, and this is ever-increasing. It's infinite. So maybe I should try to get even closer to him and see what he shows me. Seek and you will find when you seek with all your heart. But it, and it's, it's ever increasing. You never arrive, which is great because there's an there's a infiniteness to God's love that you can continually grow in and enjoy and revel in. So on the board, love lives on. God's love is boundless, as is His Word. This journey of growing in and living out God's love never ends. And that's a very good thing. That's what eternity is all about. Love, like forever, <laughs> increasing. And we will reap what we sow in this life also if we do not grow weary. Turn to Galatians 6, verse 6. Living in the love of God and reaping from such sowing is a never-ending, overflowing gift that God wants you to be overwhelmed with, honestly. God knows we're not overwhelmed every day with it, like we could be, because of our selfish flesh, because of our preoccupation with the things of the world. But living in the love of God and reaping from such sowing is a never-ending, overflowing gift that God has intended you to enjoy and to be at peace no matter what's going on in your life. Like supernatural peace. We'll get to that again, but look at Galatians 6.6. 6. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh 
will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. By the way, what is doing good? Isn't that love? Love your enemies and do good and lend to them. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Sowing and reaping love towards one another means constantly finding and experiencing more of God's love. I mean, it's easy to run away from this, to almost be like, oh, I can't handle it. Or I, I, I just want to stay in my, my cocoon, my own little bubble, because I'm going to lose control if I give love. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to be vulnerable also. But God's like, let me do it my way in your life. I want this to overflow. I want you to be overwhelmed with my love. But it takes giving, giving love. Our dear God and Savior wants us to live it out and experience His joy now in this life. And to continually give His love so that we can have more and more of it in our souls, in our hearts. We can possess more of it. But again, you can't possess it till you give it. As believers, when we realize the love God has had for us, then we realize we found the treasure. And when you found the treasure, you should go back to it daily and look at it and be in awe of it and even share it with others so the Lord can overflow our baskets even more. It's like a, you know, a treasure chest, I guess picture a literal treasure chest, right? And you're taking out gold and silver and things and you're sharing it with people and God's filling it from underneath the bucket. And you're like, wait a minute, I just hit the bottom. Why? How come there's, I can't see at the bottom anymore? This is how God does things, right? If we have faith, but you have to give it away. You have to give it away. You have to give it away. Do good, do good, do good. He's like, let me show you. Let me show you how life really is meant to work. That's one of God's main desires for us in this life. And sowing the good seed of God's love always reaps a harvest. If nowhere else, at least in your own soul. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.23, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. A fellow partaker of it. What does he mean? Paul is already saved. Experiencing the maybe joy and peace of the gospel more and more, the satisfaction and joy of leading others to Christ and eternal life. There are supernatural reapings in your own soul that take place even when others reject the gospel. There are supernatural reapings in your own soul that take place when you're willing to give love like that, when you're willing to give freely and even be embarrassed and humiliated for his namesake. God's doing something supernaturally in you and giving you 
his joy and peace in ways that you can't understand. But it takes faith. On the board, Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what we're all after? Isn't that what we're all desiring? To have God's peace in any circumstance? That's, I mean, what the world is after even. They don't know how to get it, but they just want peace. They want contentment. And they're chasing every different direction. But this is what God promises to give us. If we seek Him first, if we love Him, if we love others. So turn again to John 15, 1. We'll close with this passage and wrap up with a couple points on the series. John 15, 1. But God wants us to abide in His love. And He tells us, He says, If you abide in My love, watch all the good that comes about in your life, including love being returned to you, even from places you've never imagined. John 15, 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in Me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. I was reading that earlier today. I'm like, wow, that's quite a promise. But it's if you abide in him, and his words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends, if you do what I command you. That is a loving friendship. That's the type of loving friendship and intimacy and brotherhood, so to speak, that Jesus Christ wants with each one of us. Our God wants us to have life and have it abundantly, says the Scriptures. And by abiding in the love of God, we are going to be happier than we ever could have imagined. That's just the truth of the matter. Our problem is we don't abide in the love of Christ. 
So take time and build your relationship with Jesus. Take time and build your personal relationship with Jesus. Take some private time and talk to Him. Praise Him, love Him, ask Him for spiritual things. And the love of God will be poured out in your heart more and more by His very Spirit. Jesus is our hope, isn't He? He is our love. But when we don't spend time with Him, we can't reap from what He's trying to do in our souls. We have to spend personal time with the man. And only when we truly lean on him are we going to experience his uh, joy and peace and love. So think about that as we close on the board. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. What is good? To love like Christ does. To abide in a love that cannot help but express itself and to be honest about those who receive it and those who don't. And who gets to define it? God does. His fingerprints are all over His creation and through the various special revelations of Himself, including His manifestation as Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The fingerprints of His love are all over the place for the humble to see and enjoy. So let's be of those who receive and abide in His love, giving it out freely to all who pass by us. Amen? All right, let's bow. Father, we thank You so much for Your amazing Word and Your amazing grace. We thank You for Your Holy Spirit teaching us your word, making it come alive in bits and pieces that we can understand. And Father, we ask that you help us abide in your love, abide in the love of Jesus and that personal relationship with you. As we know, you and your son are one. Father, help us to be more intimate with you and more open and more trusting and reveal to us your love as we sow our relationship with you as well. Father, we ask that you help us bring the good news out to a lost and dying world that needs it so desperately. We ask these things in Christ's precious name and it's by the power of your spirit we pray.